Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's been an incredible couple of years for Asian Americans in Hollywood. There's been more on-screen representation than ever, from Marvel's first Asian superhero to everything, everywhere, all at once, sweeping the Oscars. For all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight, <laughs> this is a beacon of hope. And possibilities. Those kinds of successes have set the stage for all kinds of Asian American films and shows, including Beef, a Netflix dark comedy series that was released earlier this month. It stars comedian Ali Wong and actor Steven Yun, two strangers who get into a road rage incident that quickly spirals into a chaotic mess. You started this. Me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you're the one who backed into me like a psycho. You're the one that flipped me off all roided out and sh- Beef received glowing press mentions and rave reviews, but less than two weeks after it premiered, the series found itself in its own chaotic mess. It's a controversy that Chronicle editorial writer Soleil Ho says should force Asian Americans to rethink the value of representation. A clip from 2014 has resurfaced, and it shows David Cho, one of the actors in Beef, bragging about sexually assaulting a Black woman. Cho says that the comments weren't true and that the horrifying story was told just for shock value. He's faced some backlash for years, but was still able to make his way to a kind of hipster fame in the pop culture mainstream. Today on Fifth Emission, cultural critic Soleil Ho joins me to discuss why the beef controversy is an important moment for Asian Americans. They recently wrote a column that argues that representation for representation's sake is a risky cause and why Asian Americans shouldn't let others pay the price for their feelings of belonging. Soleil, great to have you back on Fifth Emission. Thanks for having me. Soleil, I want to start here. Asian Americans, as we know, have been more visible in mainstream media lately. And it's not just on big stages like the Academy Awards. There's been increased visibility in politics, activism, and elsewhere. How does this all compare to maybe what you saw growing up? I honestly didn't see too much of that. When I was a kid, my cousins and I, the first American-born generation in my family, we would call everyone else Americans. (laughs) We weren't Americans. And it was just this funny way that we talk. Like, we don't talk like that now, but like when we were kids, it was just how our parents talked. So, you know, we inherited that. And so there was this really strong sense of not belonging. And sometimes it was, it felt negative. Other times it was just sort of passive, right? This passive not belonging. And that informed a lot of my life, I think, as an American, as as a Vietnamese American person for years. And I think that's really interesting to reflect upon as as one way to experience it, I guess. Right. I mean, for me, I think some of the earliest Asian representations I saw was in figure skating with like Christy Yamaguchi and Michelle Kwan. And I remember just sort of clamoring after 
those figures on TV. Like you just desired it and your whole family would be like, look at them. Is that what it felt like for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, the icon, the real icon was the Yellow Ranger in Power Rangers. She's Vietnamese. And, you know, we never stopped talking about that. You know, as soon as any Vietnamese person like existed in media, we were excited about it. But of course, like for Vietnamese people too, we had our own media also as just a way of taking power in our own hands and just making what we wanted to see. And so it felt like a bonus to see that in American media. Right. And fast forward to today, things have changed. And many Asian Americans are now supporting films like Crazy Rich Asians or Everything Everywhere All at Once by doing things like buying out theaters. You describe that kind of media activism as a, quote, moral imperative for many Asian Americans in your recent column. Tell me more about what you mean by that. In my column, I talked to this scholar, Lori Quito Lopez, who has written a lot about this and has worked very intimately with Asian American media organizations in Los Angeles. And a lot of this is propelled by those organizations who, you know, of course, have the means to buy out theaters. And it started with Better Luck Tomorrow. We didn't know half the people we partied with. What are you guys? A club. Oh, like a math club or something? And it was iconic for being one of the first Asian American sort of mainstream-ish films, even though it only came out in like 13 movie theaters. That was the first kind of like mobilizing, I think, film. And I think there's a model there too in what the Black community did with Black Panther, for instance. That was a huge one, right? Where people bought out theaters and like watched it again and again and again. And the moral imperative does feel like a reaction to the sort of scarcity of that sort of representation and the logic goes that if we don't show up for this, if this movie fails, they will never let us do this again. And I don't know about you, but while it's been great to see more stories about the Asian American experience in mainstream media, I've also just been craving seeing Asian Americans act in roles where their characters aren't just defined by their racial identity, but rather, you know, it's just a part of the seamless plot of the the film or the TV series or whatever it is, Netflix's beef series seemed to hold the promise of doing that. And I wonder what you thought about beef when you first heard about it coming out. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I had the same feeling of just, oh, this is fun. They just happen to be Asian. And I think that's sort of the dream, I think, of a lot of assimilationist Asian Americans <laughs> of like, I just don't want it to be a big deal. It's just part of me. And I think when we think about identity politics in the past however many decades, we see a lot of tension, right, between assimilation and then like a, a craving for our differences to be acknowledged and accepted. And I think Beef had straddled that line pretty well. And that could have been refreshing, I think, if things had panned out differently. Right. And they have panned out the way they have because of this serious scrutiny that Beef is facing. And that's because of one of the actors, David Cho, who plays one of the key characters in the series. A 2014 video of Cho has resurfaced, and in it, he's describing a sexual assault on a Black masseuse during a podcast taping. Personally, I really wouldn't urge anyone to go out and watch and listen to it. It's pretty graphic. It's very violent and really unsettling. 
For people who are unfamiliar with David Cho, who is he? What's his history? Oh, he has a pretty interesting history, especially in the Bay Area. You know, he's a California artist. He's a graffiti artist. And he's well known for painting like really graphic (laughs) images at the uh, original Facebook office at the request of Mark Zuckerberg. And the story is that because Facebook couldn't pay him, they just gave him shares. And now he's a multimillionaire. If he didn't feel like it, he wouldn't have to work another day. So he's just like in our lives for no reason at all, really. (laughs) (laughs) But he has also been in a lot of media. He's really good friends with David Chang. So he was in Ugly Delicious. He had a TV show. He was a friend of Anthony Bourdain. So like if you're in food media or interested in food media, you've probably heard of him or seen him too. It's not just in the art world, but very much a part of, I guess, this like really interesting like Asian American millennial creatives and like kind of the weird Asians, you know, I feel like there's this like self-reflexive kind of archetype that's kind of a big part of his persona in public. Asian American men have historically been emasculated by mainstream media. How does that factor into the David Cho controversy? Soleil's take after a break. You're listening to Fifth and Mission. If you have a comment or there's a story you think we should cover, let us know. You can email us at fifth, that's F-I-F-T-H, at sfchronicle.com, or leave us a voicemail at 415-777-6156. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Solejo, in that clip of actor David Cho describing sexual assault, he's making comments that fetishize a Black woman. That's worth highlighting too, right? Especially since there are historical divisions between Black and Asian communities. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I remember the first time I went to an Asian American like event or conference. It was in, I think, 2012 or 13. Someone in the audience said, what have the black community done for us? You know, there was that sort of sentiment among some sort of some of the older audience members. And so like, to me, that was my first <laughs> interaction uh, with that idea, but I've encountered it more and more just as I've been in Asian American spaces. And actually like they did a lot for us, right? <laughs> when you think about the civil rights era, I think about like all the things the Black Panthers did for interned Japanese people and all of the sort of gains that Asian Americans have benefited from that were pioneered by Black Americans fighting for their rights and fighting for everyone's rights. Like you said, there's a lot of tension. And I think celebrating someone who has reveled in that tension, you know, regardless of like whether or not that was a real sexual assault, but like just even just making light of it and laughing about it is really grotesque. Right. And it's interesting because as we're talking about Asian American representation, Historically, Asian males have been portrayed as being emasculated. They're often, you know, they play the geek or the nerd roles. They're sexually undesirable. But, you know, over the years, we've seen this counter movement to push back against those stereotypes. 
but in a way that kind of feels like a gross overcompensation. And I really don't want to get into the weeds, but there is this existing subculture of toxic masculinity in the Asian American community. You can easily fall into these weird, strange, dark rabbit holes online. Is David Cho a representation of that subculture? I think so. I mean, there's a lot there in terms of misogyny, which is often, right, a reaction to disempowerment and economic disempowerment and just like psychological disempowerments. And I'm not excusing it, but I am saying that like there are conditions that can stoke those feelings and allow people to be taken advantage of and like to be captured by really awful regressive ideologies. And, you know, for Asian American men in particular, they have as just a people, right, as a category of people in this country, they have dealt with not just emasculation, but just over-sexualization, being seen as predators in the gold rush era when they're mostly Chinese men here. They were treated as less than and dangerous and strange. And, you know, there's a lot there <laughs> to hold psychically. And there's a lot of generational trauma from that. And so, yeah, it makes anyone vulnerable, I would think to these like really disingenuous sort of ideologies of white supremacy and misogyny and patriarchy and anti-blackness in particular is one way in which people can be really easily manipulated because if you can find someone else to beat up on, then you feel less bad, right, is the logic. And and what I got from your column, Soleil, is that you're basically nudging Asian Americans to feel comfortable calling ourselves out within our own community when something isn't right, when something is violent or when something is so grotesque as the comments that David Cho made. And we've also often heard this concept of separating the art from the artists. And you said that this isn't the time for Asian Americans to do that and that embracing beef would show that Asian Americans are, quote, willing to let others pay the price for our feelings of validation and belonging why is this the moment that Asian Americans can afford to call out Cho? Division really thrives in times of scarcity. Like when we are fighting for finite resources, it is much easier to elbow the person next to you out of the way to justify that because you want this thing. We're not in a time of scarcity and we can afford to be picky and we should be. It's really important to hold ourselves up to a standard, like a basic standard and actually ask like, okay, what is the efficacy of representation? What do we want? What kind of representation? Not just Asian bodies like on a screen, but like, what are they doing, right? How are they representing us? How is this representation bringing us towards the future that we want? I think asking those more thoughtful questions is really called for and really important. I really liked this one line from your piece. And it says, quote, if you're always forced to be grateful for scraps, you're especially vulnerable to being scammed. So, like, what do you mean when you say scam? What's the scam? And what's the opportunity if Asian Americans are able to avoid it? It's the idea, right, of being tricked by representation, of feeling like, okay, well, this is enough. Like, at least there's an Asian Marvel person, right? And I think a lot of times it is easy to get caught up in these sort of cynical representations, too. We need to really think about like whether or not like certain types of representation are just being paraded in front of us to lure us into complacency and make us co-sign things that 
are actually harmful to the communities that are being told they're being represented. Well, Soleil, I so appreciate the pieces that you're you're writing in your new position, especially this one. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. Oh, thank you. Solejo is an editorial writer and cultural critic at The Chronicle. Their piece about Netflix's beef and Asian-American representation is at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. On Friday afternoon, Lee Sung-jin, Beef's creator, as well as executive producers and stars Steven Yun and Ali Wong, released a statement to Variety. It acknowledges how hurtful and disturbing Cho's story was and says, quote, We're aware David has apologized in the past for making up this horrific story, and we've seen him put in the work to get the mental health support he needed over the last decade to better himself and learn from his mistakes. Thank you to Gary Baca and King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening.